Episode of the Snap No Tap podcast. I'm Tony Cicchini along with Joe Cardinal. So let me apologize for not having a uh, podcast last week before we get into everything else because Sunday, while we were all getting ready to do the film the podcast, um, I had an issue, man, and I I ended up having to go to the emergency room. Uh, I've been just you know being been going to doctors for a lot of things recently, mainly my my memory and just overall, but I I've, I've had an issue that I thought I knew what it was, um, but I had a test at my regular doctor a couple of weeks ago. The emergency room did the same test, CAT scan, this time with contrast. Um, and both times, everything comes out negative. I'm healthy as a horse down, you know, generally. Well, as we all know that I'm not because I, I have a lump. And as it turns out, uh, I have a hernia. But many people suffer from a hernia. So I saw a surgeon today, and I'm scheduled for surgery in March. So um, this does not affect any of the seminars whatsoever or the workshops, as we're calling them. Um, but I'm just not going to be able to work out or do anything uh, strenuous or, you know, probably until, but, you know, until April. It, it, it's kind of an interesting thing, um, and we don't need to get into it, into it but yeah. I bring this up because, again, I'm sorry that we missed the podcast last week, but testing, it's its kind of weird. It's kind of like my car, right, uh, or your car. Many technicians now, auto technicians, rely on the OBD2 scanner to, to find out what the problem is. And that can lead you down certain paths. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're not right. Well, same here with medical. You know, the, the CAT scans kept coming back negative when the physically you could see that there was an issue. Uh, and much like, well, like the surgeon said today, she said, you know, when you lay down flat on your back for the CAT scan, the bulge goes away. You know, you don't have it. Um, so that's why it wasn't showing up on a CAT scan. Now, this past Monday, I had to go see my orthopedic surgeon regarding my collarbone. And of course, I got to get another CAT scan for that next week. But he mentioned, because he doesn't do hernias, that, yeah, it's probably a hernia, you know, and they don't always show up on CAT scans. So I say this because I think this is an important piece of information that even if tests come back negative, which is, you know, generally a good thing, they may not be a good thing because. Um, they're hiding, the, the tests aren't revealing um, what the problem really is. And, you know, through the years, there have been people who, you know, sadly had to go through countless doctors until they found one that 
had experience with their symptoms and said, yep, I know what it is. Uh, I got lucky with, you know, the doctor today just knew, okay, well, that's a hernia, you know, and then she felt it and coughed, do this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's a hernia. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, now Joe can start introducing uh, when we're doing our, I think we're doing our next workshop next weekend. Yep, next, next Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday, uh, 1.30 at Jason Bender's Martial Arts and Fitness up in Andersonville in Chicago. And then that Sunday out at uh, DuPage Krav Maga. And that's earlier. That's 10 a.m. to noon. Um, so we've got stuff posted online to find that. Uh, just keep coming. We definitely want to see everybody turn out. So that'd be very helpful. So one week to go. Looking forward to that. And yeah, course- you know, with me, I've been so busy going through tests and doing things that I, I literally lose track of time. From the last workshop till this one, it it just seems like it was a week ago that I did that workshop. It's just flying by. Yeah, yeah. And the older I get, faster time seems to go. I just lose track of all kinds of, you know, seems like, to me, it always seems like five years ago was the 90s, though. Like, I just, I can't believe, you know, that it's, you know, 30 years, you know, I it just, it's all gone to me, man. It just, I think it's just a, maybe a self-preservation thing that my brain doesn't want to acknowledge how old I am or how, how much time has passed, but yeah. No, it's just... not a new phenomenon because my grandparents used to tell me that, you know, back in the seventies, you know, all time fly and even, and their friends said it, all the old timers said it. So this is not a new phenomenon. This, this actually exists. I mean, certainly time doesn't speed up, but our perception of it probably does. It just, yeah, it's just flying by. Um, and of course, too, speaking of tests and stuff, you know, my, Service engine soon light came on my car a couple of days ago when I was going to the other doctor for sleep study. Because as you guys know, I'm a I never sleep. So I got a sleep study scheduled for June, like a week before my birthday. So uh gotta hold tight till then. But yeah, time just seems to be flying, and um I would love to be able to figure a way mentally to just slow things down. Uh and I think because of things with me, I, I'm forced to physically go at a slower pace, although just because I'm not processing the information quick enough. But uh, yeah, it's just an interesting concept, isn't it? Yeah. Have you ever looked into something like meditation? Well, I used to meditate, as you know. Well, maybe you don't know. Kevin and I at the gym, we meditated, uh, well, maybe, well, at least twice a week, sometimes more. Um, you know, it's not as easy as you think to do because you got to block out some time because we meditated for about an hour. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's very interesting because it puts you in a twilight. Sometimes you just doze off. Um, but we hit, I made a soundtrack. <clears throat> we played it over to the speaker system, you know, through the CD and, uh, or through the computer later. And yeah. Um, tropical rainforest or gongs you know we 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 mixed it up meditation was great and after you come out of that I mean you just feel totally refreshed um of course all these years of taking care of my mother that's the last thing I could do I could not meditate there would be I, I just couldn't do it not possible um but now I I just been so busy these last months since she's been away um just getting my life in order, taking care of things. Uh, and yeah, I, I, that's on my to-do list is to start meditating again. Um, 
but I can't, I don't find it for me beneficial to do like a 10 or 15 minute meditation. I can't even get into it. Okay. It's a, it's about an hour for me to do it. Now what originally prompted you and Kevin to pursue it? Was it like um, just strictly a health thing or a psychological thing or what, what were some of the reasons you guys got into it? Yeah. Well, you know, we had a lot of, uh, our life was high stress, you know, or high activity, I guess you'd say. Uh, so it was a combination of psychological and health benefits because it ties together. Um, and Kevin, to his credit, he was the greatest. You, you knew him. Um, he, even though he was a lot older, he was 18 years older than me, he was always trying new things. He was never, oh, I'm not going to do that. So we, we, we did the metaphysical stuff. Um, some stuff we found was, you know, baloney, um, but we researched, we attempted, we did things, we talked to people, we, you know, um, but meditation is a proven, uh, entity. It, it works. Okay. I mean, it's not a cure-all, but there it's, it's there. Um, I know there's some religious beliefs that totally frown don't meditate because you're opening up your mind to evil spirits and we know all the, all their bully. I'm not going to mock their beliefs. It's just something that I don't believe. Um, and you know, meditation for me, and it always also has a tie into martial arts. It always has, even when I was a kid, uh, it was, you know, the art of meditation. And I think I mentioned this before, Radva, um, in essence, did a meditation, a self-hypnosis kind of thing. And he talked to me about that, but not in those terms, right? Because everything with him was, regarding that kind of stuff, was uh, religious, okay? Like spiritual with him, with the Catholic. Uh, so uh, it was more or less like intense prayer, but it wasn't, okay? You're not sitting there saying mm -hmm. you're, our fathers and your Hail Marys, but it's all about focus and, you know, and I used to do a lot of that, uh, a lot of the training. Okay. This is something, oh, this is an interesting topic because a lot of people fail to meditate because it's like lifting weights. Okay. You just want to start lifting. Well, you got to get prepared to lift. Okay. And you got to gradually increase uh, your uh, you know, progressive resistance either with weights or physical exercise. It's the same with this stuff. You have to be prepared. You have to actually do exercises, mental exercises, uh, before you really get deep into the meditation. So like the exercises that you can do are um, staring at something, like I'm staring at something on the stand right now, and try not to think of anything else but that thing that you're staring at. Now, you're you're going to fail because... Well, first of all, you may not even be aware of it, but you're going to be thinking thoughts, and that's defeated the purpose. So you've got to focus on something, and you're only going to do it for a few seconds before your mind wanders. But that's okay. When you do it again, you try to go longer, 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 and try to extend this. Now, I just want to say to everybody listening or watching that we all have done this. We we have all kind of put ourselves in a Conscious, uh, I don't know what the word would be. Uh, well, it's like 
driving or when you're, you're so focused, people are talking to you and you don't hear what they're saying. Oh, I'm sorry. What did you say? I, I wasn't paying attention. That's what we're talking about here. You get into that. What's the word joke? If you know me, I can't remember words. I don't know. Get into a zone. Yeah. You're like in a zone where everything is blocked out. Okay. And you just enter into it without consciously trying to. Um, like, what do they call that? Like road hypnosis or something where that, that happens to drivers. You know, mm-hmm. they, they get hypnotized by the road. All of a sudden they fall asleep at the wheel. Um, so we all have the ability to do this. Okay. This is not something mystical or something that people are born with. We, we've all done it already. How many times, you know? Um, so it's something that you need to develop and you need to keep, keep working at it. So for example, if I were to try to meditate tomorrow, uh, it probably wouldn't go as well as it used to because I'm, I haven't done it in so long. I'd have to go back into it. So if anybody's interested in meditating, Find a spot, wherever it is that you're going to do, inside, outside, wherever, where you can truly be uh, uh, left alone. You know, uh, what's the word when you get, when somebody, uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to get uninterrupted. You want to make sure you're uninterrupted. Turn your phone off, your ringer. Make sure that you've blocked out this time. Like, you know, like you're not waiting for an important phone call. You you really got to have, you got to be calm when you're trying to do this. And then, of course, the breathing uh, um, is important and when you get really good at this you can almost put yourself into these situations at any given time especially at a moment of high stress again that's something you need to work up to and the breathing in through the nose out through the mouth controlled like that and just try to um, bring yourself down and if you have one of those portable or those home blood pressure monitors, which, by the way, aren't accurate per se, but they can give you a trend, um, you can test your blood pressure before and then test your blood pressure after. Uh, and you'll, you'll notice that you're, if you're doing this properly, your blood pressure has come way down. Um, so, yeah, it, it can be very beneficial. And... But you got to believe. Don't let people talk in. Oh, that's crazy pseudo nonsense. It's not. All you're doing is think of it as a daydream, if that's what you want. Think of it as a happy thought daydream. We all we all do that. We all we all have good thoughts, right? At least I hope we do. Um, so try to put yourself in that realm. Look at it that way. So take all the stereotypical, you know, uh, psychic stuff out of it. <laughs> Um, so I've got a bunch of questions. I want to circle back to Radvan. Do you, did he say, or do you suspect that that's something he was taught or something he kind of developed on his own? Uh, you know, obviously I don't know if, if there's any tradition in Poland or Europe of meditation. Um, I wouldn't know one way or the other, but it's not something that it's very aware of. So did you get any kind of idea from him where this stuff came from that he did? I did, but let me preface by saying Rod Brown was the type of guy that, you know, he didn't talk about his past hardly ever, at least not to most people. And I was also the generation of children are seen and not heard. You know, I didn't ask a million. I asked pretty basically pretty much no personal questions, you know, uh, that just and, and, I, and I just I was a kid. 
I didn't know that. Stuff, yeah. But I, I can tell you that, yes, he was, while he probably had a native, he was probably inquisitive natively, uh, he was shown or taught these techniques of, of, because uh, you're dealing with painful stuff sometimes when you do, especially the strength, uh, feats of strength and the weightlifting and stuff that he did um, about the focus and the concentration. Those were two big words that he used a lot, focus uh, and, and concentration. And those are two different things. Okay. So focusing is like what I, w- I was mentioning about thinking just about um the one item, right? And just focus on that and try to block out everything else. And then the concentration comes into the repetition of it. You know, I've, I've, I've got to make sure I do this. I can do this. I'm not going to fail. Fail is an impossibility. And you concentrate on the success of what it is that you want to do. Okay. And really concentrate on it. Um, some of the things uh, that, uh, like Olympic lifters, which Radvan was, and well, I mean, he wasn't in the Olympics, but it's called Olympic lifts. Um, you, uh, you get into that, you, you get into that where you, where you pretty much block it out because when you start thinking about what it is you're actually doing, you'll talk yourself out of doing it just because of fear. I mean, I, I don't, you know, it's like, this is ridiculous, you know? Uh, I'm going to lift 500 pounds over my head from the ground, you know, or whatever the amount is. Um, so, yeah, this was something that he was um, shown or at least exposed to. And then he can then I then he developed, you know, as we all do, we, we develop it in our own way. Um, and what would work for him would not work for you or me, perhaps just like meeting a, a woman that you would fall in love with. I would meet her not have no interest in it, right? But the act of falling in love is something that we have in common. We just don't have the same person to fall in love with. Well, I love you, way of, uh, huh? Well, I love you, Tony. So, well, I mean, what's not the love? Yeah. Um, you know, but the thing here is, he was. Uh, I mean, it was ahead of it was way ahead of anybody else telling me this stuff nobody nobody talked to me like this you know back then especially in the 70s okay so um so yeah I, I i would i would have to i mean he didn't tell me that you know joe blow showed me how to do this it was just based on our conversations about it that i got the uh you know implication that um he was shown it or exposed to it so then when you were starting to look into it with Kevin, obviously there's different styles of meditation. And again, I, I don't know really what I'm talking about here. I'm just vaguely aware that there's different types of disciplines. Did you try different disciplines of med- meditation? Like, was there a specific style that you said, oh, this one kind of either A, works for me or reminds me of stuff that Radvan did or it was just, yeah. What did you guys look, come up, what materials and sources did you look at? Well, okay. Well, I don't, I don't put labels on it. I wouldn't know names, but we, we tried and failed. Okay. So how we started, we didn't do the Radvan thing. We didn't do chants or anything like that, or put our hands like this. And, you know, um, if my memory is correct, we, um, and this is back in the nineties when this all started. So I think we had a cassette player for sure. And we had a tape 
of some guy. Do, it was called guided meditation. There's your label. That's how it started with the guided meditation. Okay. And the person was talking and, you know, just, he had a soothing voice and um, it, it was fine. Don't get me wrong. But what ended up happening is this for both of us, we, we ended up focusing more on him, the person, the words. Okay. And that's kind of defeatist, okay? Um, because, again, we don't want to be focusing on an external. Uh, we want to be focusing on the internal. And Kevin and I couldn't do that because we're too busy listening to him. Mm. So from there, we did the soothing sounds. Um, we did tropical rainforest. We did thunderstorms. We did uh, wilderness, you know, birds and things like that. Uh, then we did these Asian gongs, bells, whatever. And those worked. Uh, the rainforest one seemed to be the best for us because you hear it, but you're not focusing on it. It put us calm and all the outdoor stuff, especially because Kevin was a huge outdoors hunter and everything, that really, I mean, he 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 got into it quick. Okay, he'd get in the, you know, I'd sometimes hear him sleep, you know, he'd be snoring. Um, so those worked for us because, again, the, the sound, the ambient noise was just relaxing us and putting us where we needed to be. Um, and then we stuck with that. But, you know, even before all of that, we, we tried – um doing we we read a lot of metaphysical books uh i didn't do the martial art route um i didn't want to do the radvan thing either because at that point in my life when we were doing this he had just passed away and you know and i hadn't talked to him or seen him in years uh since i was 21 um so that kind of would have worked against me it would have made me sad okay mm. um but and again that also kind of would have fired me up too because we needed to calm down at that point in our lives we needed to bring it down a few notches so yeah that's what we would do and guys i i can tell you now go to youtube they they have all these medi uh soundscapes or whatever and some of them play for hours I've seen them where they're 12 hours long. So, you know, you, you, you stay in it as long as you want at the zone. We, we were about an hour. Did you try it at different times of the day? Uh, did yes. Different, was there any difference? No. Or, or reasoning? Did you intentionally mix it up? No. It was all our schedule, you know. Our schedule was hard, you know, especially his because he had the two. I would drive to the gym, so I'm kind of free. He's working at the tool and die shop. Now, we were doing this back when we were in Stone Park, too, okay? That's where it all started. Um, and we were both going through some personal stuff. I broke up with a girl, and I can't get into what Kevin was going through. Um, but, you know, it was simultaneously, okay? And um, so 
but yeah, it, it was. And then later on, when we were in Bensonville at at the big gym, um, again, it was basically what you know, working around each each one of our schedules. And then sometimes we go weeks without doing it, and we're like, you know, we need to meditate. And he's like, yeah, you you know, we got to get we're gonna we're gonna do it today. So then we just forced ourselves to block time to do it. But generally, to answer your question, it was in the afternoons, earlier afternoons. Hmm. If we could shoot for around lunchtime, that worked great. It's funny you keep mentioning Kevin, and I can just picture him there like in a meditation pose, but with the big cigar, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we laid down. So we had couches in Bensonville. At, in in uh, Stone Park, we laid on the wrestling mats, okay? Um, yeah, Kevin would hit the heavy bag. He'd work out the heavy bag with, with the doggone um, cigar. It's, <laughs> he was a one-of-a-kind. I mean, just, you know, he broke all the rules, and yet, you know, like, Everything worked out. He was as strong as anybody his age. Um, well, young, younger. He was stronger than most younger people by far. Um, Drug free and everything. All we would do is our protein. He was on creatine. He liked to. He just liked creatine. Um, I took it for a while and then I quit. Like in the, well, I probably quit taking creatine in '98. Um, and I noticed no drop off. You know, um, so. But, uh, but yeah, Kevin was one of a kind, man, the best. I miss him. I think about him every day. Yeah, he was cool. I'm glad my, uh, my boys got to meet him and get the, the tool and die. It was kind of a, one of a, one of a, so it's a rare thing these days, that kind of experience, you know, I think it was more of like an old school kind of guy's place to hang out, you know, and you don't have that very much anymore. If Um, I, if I, well, I don't play the lottery, but I always say if I hit the lottery, if I, if I came into money, like major money. I would I would reconstruct it, you know. I'd get a place that would would be mine, you know. I would buy a uh, and just a, just get something and stock it like it was before, you know, with some equipment, but hot old school, you know, with the pool table and the bar and all that jazz, you know, the couches and the, you know, that's for me the way to go. It'll never happen, unfortunately, and that's sad. Looks like now I'm trying to buy used weights it breaks my heart to have to do this because i had all those weights that were taken from me i didn't lose them they were taken from me all that equipment's gone so um yeah everybody commented on that man this is old school old school it sure was wasn't it oh yeah and like i said that's i think that was the charm like for my son especially ben because he's got like a vintage style taste for things and i've always was trying to get him to work out and train and um like he always just kind of resisted the idea of a dojo or any kind of school like that. Just didn't, you know, just whatever. But when he saw, when he came up there and he's like, oh yeah, this is cool. <laughs> like he had a, Yeah, he just, right. You know, and it, it could be done again, you know, um, it just, it, it would never happen. I might, you know, I don't have the, the, uh, the income flow, the business isn't there, you know, and, and again, yeah, certain people would probably get turned off by it. Um, but you know, it was really, it was, it was just awesome. It really was. Uh, I loved it, you know, and I'm like Ben, you know, I've been to a lot of dojos through the years and oh, they were fine. Oh God. Some of these guys had really put their, their life's work into it, you know? So I, I can't sit there and say, oh, dojos suck for me. No, there were some very beautiful facilities mm-hmm. I was in. Um, but for what we do, because what I do, 
before I was even training you. It's 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 old school. It's legitimate old school. It's the America's martial art. Um, and so that that just took us back to that, you know, because that's how I learned. I learned in in this house, you know, and I didn't have a gym per se or a dojo or whatever to, to work out it, you know, or to practice it. It's just the way, you know. Yeah, and it was more than a gym, and I'm not, I wasn't bashing dojos per se, because exactly to your point, I've seen some ones that are done traditionally, and they're beautiful, you know, so they're just a different vibe. It's just a different thing, and, uh, uh, but yeah, because like I said, it was also a hangout space. It wasn't It was a, a social athletic club. That's what the sign even said. We It was a social athletic club, like in the old days. I mean, like in the 1800 old days, where there'd be a beer garden, and you, you have weights, and you know, all that shit. That's what it was. It wasn't a gym, per se. We call it a gym, but it was a social athletic club. And that's what I would love to have again. You know, we had a poker table there and all of that. We had an aquarium. Come and hang out. You know, you don't have to work out. And there's all the machines. If you want to work out, go ahead and work out. You want to shoot pool, you want to play darts, go right ahead. We had all of that. Um, and I miss that. I really do. Yeah, there's very few gyms these days where you can find an ashtray nearby. But yeah, well, you know that's why if people would come to my house to train, you'd have that. I got a pool table and a dartboard. We got the we got the workout room downstairs. Well, you saw. Well, you haven't. Seen, I've done some changes, but you know I got that little area offside off of the uh, of the gym in the basement there, the little cafe area, let's call it, I guess. So that's as close. I've tried to get that as close to that old world vibe, the social athletic club kind of vibe um you know and like you said it that works for us um we're we're hardcore and and you know like many people have told me through the years part of the my i guess you would call it my business model although i don't really have a model for it is you know that that's what i am i'm hardcore and and that very 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 few people are really hardcore okay That doesn't mean that they're not dedicated or hardworking, but there's a difference between that and, and hardcore. You know, being an athletics, being, let's say, a competitor, doesn't it? You're training. You're training hard. You're training harder than 99.99% of the people out there. But, but when we talk about hardcore, it's, you know, the dirty, nasty, grind, grimy, grungy, stick your elbow in their eyeball, you know, your thumb, you know, all, all the, you know, all that stuff, you know, anything goes kind of deal. That's what we mean by hardcore. So um, it's certainly not Jack LaLanne shit, <laughs> all right? Um, and I get it. It's not for everybody. But it was for it was for some of us. It was a nice ride while we had it. Yeah, I'm glad. I was lucky to get to experience that. And like I said, have my boys get a flavor for that, you know. Uh, even though, like I said, they're not necessarily – it's not the, you know, big part of their lives. It was, it's something – part of my life that they got to share, which is kind of cool. And so I appreciate that. And then um, I want to circle back. We got off on a little bit of tangent to meditation. And you'd mentioned earlier, obviously, a lot of people, especially when they're traditional martial artists, uh, meditation is kind of is quite often built into the program. And I guess I kind of have a line of questioning as to um, while you're fighting or going live or whatever, or drilling, have you found, is there a benefit to accessing that mental space, that meditative space? Is there 
uh, I guess, a combat application to it? Or is that something totally, do you see them as separate? I don't. I see them as one in the same because you're correct. Um, but let me let me go off on a little tangent about it because it's not cut and dry. It's the principles of meditation. Again, I, I always talk about the fundamentals and the principles because they all tie in together. It's the principles that got me to the meditative state and continued on with the meditation. Those principles are the same principles that will help you in the fight, okay? The stay calm, the control your breathing. Um, you'll get out of this. You know, you, you'll figure it out kind of stuff, okay? You don't fall apart. I've said this for years uh, publicly that psychology is the single most important thing in fighting, okay? Because if you don't want to be fighting, you want to be fighting just your opponent. Let's hope it's just one opponent, right? But let's just say that it is. You don't want to be fighting yourself as well, okay? So how that ties in with the meditation is when you're starting to meditate, you're going to be fighting yourself when you're meditating. What do I mean? Thoughts are going to be entering into your head. I mean, not necessarily bad thoughts, but any thought outside of what you be, you need to be focusing on is an inappropriate thought. So you're going to be fighting to control your mind, okay, when you're uh, learning to meditate. I use the word fight, but whatever you want to use. So once you're able to control your thought processes as it pertains to meditation, it will, those same pro thought processes that you develop because of meditating will help you when you're fighting, okay? Or your pre-fight. So yes, I don't look at them as a separate thing. I look at them as um, one and the same. And, you know, I'm a huge believer in creative visualiz visualization since I was a kid. Um, and that's another thing Rod Von tipped me on. Um, so it's all the same principles to visualize because you have to visualize in slow motion and then gradually increase your speed over time. You have to block out all other thoughts while you're visualizing. So it's not just, it's not that simple to do. People just rush through their visualization and it fails or they don't get as much benefit out of it as they could. So yes, Joe, it's all interrelated. Is At least as far as, I'm concerned. Um, and uh, I'm going to continue to believe till the day I pass away that, that it's interrelated because it has been for me. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the visualization because I was thinking about that. Um, and when you, I guess, when you visualize, are you, is that kind of a form of meditation or do you try to get in a meditative state and then visualize? Good question. Um, see, I bet you people would have a different answer. I don't want to say it's it's almost the self-hypnosis, okay, which, again, may be a form of meditation, all right? Um, I don't necessarily – no, I don't prepare to get into a meditative state. Let's put it that way. I think it just comes um, because, again, to me, they're so similar. The difference here is um, I, I know specifically what I'm going for. Let's say I want to work on visualizing a jab 
I know that earlier in the day, I'm going to work on visualizing a jab. Whereas the meditation is, I'm just trying to block out stuff and just trying to calm down. I don't necessarily have a purpose. I mean, uh, I have a purpose, which is to block things out and calm down, slow down, and just relax. But with the visualization, yeah, there is definitely a purpose, and there's a plan. So I'm concentrating on doing the jab slow, looking at myself as a third person. Was, did I drop my shoulder? Did I stick my chin out? Did I not do head movement? Did I not do footwork? I'm critiquing myself, but I, I see myself doing these things slowly and then faster and faster and faster until I'm doing it full blast, full speed, I should say. And then many reps, perfectly. That is not easy to do. And that you can't do that for 20 minutes straight. I'll tell you that right now. You got to do it in breaks because your mind just wants to fight it. It wants to wander off. Oh, did I pay that bill? Oh, what time is, you know, um, Elizabeth Hurley showing up at my house? You, you, all these thoughts that people have. Or in your case, you know, maybe it would be Britney Spears or something. Who knows? Um, How's my hair doing? That's always a constant thought. How's my yeah. hair? My yeah, hair? well, leave that alone. She's, well, you know what they say. Um, but mm. anyway, um, but yes, in, in, in my mind, I try not, I mean, I know there, there's a distinguish. It's distinguished between um, meditating, but the principles are so much the same. Kind of like the, the top wrist lock and the double wrist lock. They're different, but man, there's so many similarities. They're, they're one and the same in that regard kind of thing. So that's, that's how I look at it. So you kind of recommend at least initially to, to do them separately, do them as sync, distinct separate times. So today I'm just meditating on like working on focusing in my breathing and then a separate time. Okay. I'm going to visualize whatever technique. Absolutely. Because let me, let me put it this way. If you're struggling with a technique and you want to visualize, okay, so already you have a little, not negativity, but there's some anxiousness there. Okay. I don't want to fail on my double legs anymore. I got to get this. I got to get this double leg. So there's some tension. Okay. So yeah, I would, I would separate the two. Um, maybe I've never had to do it, but maybe you can meditate first. And then after that's done, you know, enter into your visualization. Um, I actually started to visualize before I started to meditate in my life. Okay. I, I got the visualization part down before I, the meditation part. Okay. So th I think that's why the meditation came a little bit easier to me or for me because the, I laid the foundations already with the visualization, but it, it, it wasn't the same. It, it took adaption because um, while I was learning to meditate, now this is not with Kevin. This is before Kevin, before I knew Kevin, I would, you know, think, okay, well, I can create, I can be creative during my meditation periods. Let me come up with new ideas. No, that's not what I, that's not what meditation is supposed to be about. At least for me or what I was, um, what I learned about meditation. It's just to kind of go blank. Um, how often when you were training and really focusing to improve was, were you visualizing every night or whenever you well, did? Well, every day, sometimes. Yeah. Um, remember, uh, there, I, the advantages that I had was 
uh, one, I was doing it mainly through school. So ninth and 10th grade, I didn't drive. So either the, the bus or if I got a ride, I could do it then to and from school. Um, I didn't have a active, I didn't have a lifestyle at home, you know, the neighborhood. So I had time. I would be isolated in my room and I would visualize then at that night. Um, and then of course, weekends, uh, I could visualize in the mornings. I could not visualize in the mornings during school because I was too stressed about going to school uh, when I woke up in the morning. And my and my my whole thing every morning was, how can I figure a way to get out of going to school? All right, frankly, <laughs> right? That's all I focused on. You and the rest so, of America, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so, but you know what? As you get better at this, you can take snippets of time. You could take five minutes. And I could do this during school to visualize, you know. Um, it, it didn't start that way, but it ended up, you know, I became good at visualizing, you know. Um, and another thing I would tell, peop tell people, um, take notes. If you have thoughts, write them down uh, and get to them later. Don't depend on your memory. Write them down right away. Um, or now, you know, record it, you know, into your phone or something. Um, you're saying just, a note of it and then just get in general, it. just in general or while you're visualizing? No, no. I mean, in general, because, you know, there may be, there may be times, well, it actually, after you visualize as well, you make a report on it if you'd like, but I'm just saying in general, you know, if a thought comes into your head about a technique, you see, you see somebody move in a certain way. I wonder if I could turn that into a move or an actual combat situation thing. Um, be very observant. That's another thing I used to do all the time because, you know, I was on public transportation back then a lot. And, you know, it was violent time. I mean, you know, they talk about today, now, nowadays, still doesn't rival what it was like in the 70s, I'm telling you. Um, so I would see things. Even, even if it wasn't a, a true violent encounter, I could see setups or I could just see things. And I'd be like, yeah, I wonder what that would turn into. So I would, back then I had a pretty sharp memory. If I didn't write things down, I could remember it enough when I would get home and then make a note of it uh, and, and try to extrapolate. Well, if it went this far, if it went down this direction, what 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 would I do? So those are always interesting tidbits. You know, uh, that's more than awareness because this these were incidents that did not even involve me. Okay, I had nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, you know, I was just observing things, like maybe downtown Cleveland. You know, um, you were downtown with me, and how people, well, it was pretty much abandoned. But back in the seventies, downtown Cleveland was crowded. You could see how people would walk, and it would give you ideas on, wow, you know, this guy could have gotten sucker punched or cold cocked, or he could have gotten his knee taken out, or he could have gotten choked from behind, or stabbed, or he could have gotten clubbed, or you know, there would have been a chance for this guy to pull a gun. Those are things that I looked at. It was almost like field trips, you know, just going to learn about human uh, interactions and shit. Um, I want to get back to that, but I also want to circle back more to your 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 kind of schedule for visualization when you were training. 
Mike, how many hours a day were you doing that? Or like you, I know you're saying you were like, sometimes you would even just sneak in a few minutes when you could later on, but was there like a deliberate, like I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes or like, you know, was it um, just depending on how much time you had? Was there like, was there a set thing or a minimum that you had for, or was it just? Well, yeah, see, okay. Um, I'd say like 20 minutes. It doesn't take much. Okay. Um, But I would do at night. The, okay. So here I had a busy schedule with music. Okay. Now I played drums. So when I would get home, from Rodman or just whatever, I'd have to practice the drums, okay? That was the first thing that I would have to do. Then I could do all the exercises and the visualizations after I got my drums in, because I can't be playing the drums at 9 o'clock at night, okay? So I get the drums out of the way. And mind you, the drums were something I got yelled at quite a few times at school, but the drums were something that I could practice during school. Okay, like I could practice my rudiments, rudiments even with my hands or, you know, pencils, right? I didn't bring drumsticks. That would have been obvious. Um, so I could get my work, my hand and finger work in. Now, remind you, I didn't play the accordion at that point in time. So it was all drums. So after the drums would, would get done, then I would do my lessons, uh, um, or, uh, from Rodvan, or I would do the visualizations. Um, but a lot of times, like on weekends, I would do the, I'd cram in the visualizations because I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have anybody to train with, you know. Um, so that's where the visualization really excelled. And I really feel that it, it it did not harm me to not have training partners. In many ways, it it freed me to worry about me, just to focus on me. And then when I had the chance to work out, uh, with people, I was, I mean, mind you, they weren't trained. They were not in what I did. Um, I'd blow through them. I'd cut through them like a hot knife through butter. It was like, man, um, I was sold on visualization quickly. Uh, then when I got to the boxing gyms and I could work out and, and try some of this stuff, uh, the wrestling stuff, um, after the boxing workouts, it was fine. It, it, everything was like, man, this this is great. Um, so, yeah, I'm a firm believer. And they've done scientific studies on this. So this isn't just like I'm not an outlier. Uh, th- this happens. This is repeatable. Okay. Where, matter of fact, John Hernandez, uh, that was a guest on our show, was talking about this, that they did this shooting basketball hoops. And they've done it with other things. And now we have so much advantage because you can videotape yourself or film yourself, whatever, you know, record yourself, I guess, video record yourself and look back at it and you can see it, <clears throat> excuse me, see where, where you're making your fatal mistakes and so on. It's, man, the tools nowadays are just incredible. Take advantage of it, everybody. Um, on the meditation topic, again, relating to fighting and kind of the psychological thing, I want to kind of focus on that for a little bit. What we've talked about this a little bit, like what is the mindset you want to be in or should be in prior to and or then during a fight? Only Um, focusing on your opponent. Forget about your wife at home. Forget about what's going to happen to you. 
I can end up in the hospital. I can end up dead. If I'm dead, who's going to take care of my kids? That's fighting yourself, okay? And I've said this again countless times. You should have all of that shit taken care of before you ever leave the house, meaning you got to have a, uh, you know, if you have a family, let's say, you, make sure you have a life insurance policy. Make sure you have a surrogate father lined up, you know, you're the godfather or, you know, your brothers or something that you know that, you know, whatever, you get my point. All of that shit's taken care of. You, you know, financially you're set, your, your wife will be set or your girlfriend, whatever the case may be. Um, you, you just have to, you know, you can't, you have to expect to die or you, and you, or you have to expect to kill somebody and deal with all of that. Okay. So, so this just, just have the money for all of that, you know, like a lawyer or something, you know, or have somebody on retainer. Take his way as much obstacles as possible. So I'll be the first to tell you. There were days, there were times when you, I, I absolutely had to do what I had to do tonight or this morning. Let's say you have a court date. Okay. You absolutely have to get to that court date. You have a wedding. You, you got to be at that wedding. If you're dressed up and all of that shit, these are days where fighting, unless it's just totally, um, you can't walk away from this is shit. You walk away from any kind of obstacles, okay? any kind of, Troubles. You got to focus on getting to the wedding or getting to the court. All right. But there will be times in your life when, you know, should I fight or shouldn't I fight? You have the option of not fighting. And not fighting may be the prudent way to go. On those days where you just don't have an option, okay, you're at gunpoint, you're at knife point, knife point, you're getting mugged or whatever it is. Um, you just have to say, you know, pardon my friend, but you got to say, fuck it. I got to take this guy out. Okay. I, I, there's just nothing else at that point in time exists. Okay. Nothing exists. I got to take this guy out. I got to defend myself. Okay. So um, you just have to be mentally prepared for that. If you're not, then you're not in the game. Not saying you won't win. Okay. Not saying you're not, you know, a tough guy. But, man, things become – when you have that crystal clarity, remember, the, and I hate this – I'm going to speak paint with a broad brush here. We don't know what's going through the mind of a bad person, right? They don't think like we do. You got to think like they do, okay? You got to try to enter their mindset. Um, this person may not have anything to lose. Now, there are people like that that just don't care. Um, They'd rather be in the joint than on the streets. So they may not get intimidated by you. They may be ready to throw down. Statistically, I would think that that, that is, they're in the minority of it, okay? The majority of the bad guys really want an easy mark, okay? The, the people that I know that, that have talked about fights, which really weren't like, life or death encounters. These were arguments that blew up, right? Somebody looked at your wife or girlfriend. Uh, somebody cut you off in traffic. That kind of shit. That's avoidable. Okay, just don't enter into their world, all right? Um, because they can get out of hand. They can escalate. You you can die, okay? We just talked about this. 
a couple months ago in Chicago at the bar. Some guy left, got his gun, came back, you know, whacked him. So uh, all I can tell you, Joe, is with me, when it's on, it's all the way on. There's there's no holding back, okay? There's no worrying about anything at that point, okay? Once that happens, this is it. And it's it's like a furious, I'm, I'm in and I'm all in. And I just, I honestly just don't care what happens to the opponent, to the person. I don't, I just don't care. I have no more care. Um, this person I know will, will kill me and it's just not going to happen. I'm going to kill that person before that person kills me. That's how you, you have to think that way. Not, not a lot of people can have, they don't, they don't, they don't have that. When you're talking hand to hand, we had John Hernandez on, who's a shooter. And there's something it, there's just there's this is not about him now because he's a martial artist, but people who shoot people, there's a detachment there. You know, it's your finger pulling the trigger. There's a whole difference than when you're when you're it's your hands and your feet and your knees and your mouth and everything that's that's doing this to someone. Um there's just people that can't do that. All right. They just they just don't have it. And then there's people who can't even pull a gun, you know, pull the trigger on a gun. Um, but so there's layers of what you can do and you as an individual have to know what's your point. What's the line that you won't cross? Um, what will you give up voluntarily, um, somewhere along the way in this struggle? You don't know. Let's hope you never have to find out actually, but, um, some of us have been there. We know where our limits are, and you know, and some some of us, like myself, we don't have a limit. We don't care. We're you know, we're in. We're all the way in. So um, that's a dangerous thing. You got to control that because you know, if you can't control yourself, my goodness, you're a you're, you're truly a lethal weapon. Along those lines, do you feel anger or? Like, is there an emotional element? Like, do you actually have that killer instinct? Like, almost the, I hate to, I'm trying to think of a term, not like bloodlust, but like, when when you know you have to go, when it's time, you know, where, like, is there like a, I want to hurt this guy? You know, like, is there a, a mindset of, do you have to get into that frame of mind? Like, do you know internally what, how, where, what space are you in? Do you, you get what I'm going for? Oh, I, you mean, do I know when, when my button is pushed to that point? Or do you, like, have to engage that? Like, like you know, if it comes, like, or do you naturally just become, like, when you're engaging it, it's like, is it, because some people, you know, are dealing with fear or other emotions, you know, like there's an adrenaline. And I guess this is kind of where I was going with, with the meditation. A, some is meditation, I guess there's multiple questions here. So I apologize if I'm throwing a bunch at you here. You know, because some people, when when things start to escalate, there's that adrenaline, and you've you've got. Do you think you need to control that to a point? Because obviously, you can paralyze yourself with fear. So is that is meditation a good way to help control that? And then, I guess I'll have a follow up question after that. But it seems like whenever I've seen you demonstrate, or like when we really kind of go through scenarios, you know, it's not it's not clinical. There's an emotional, an aggressive emotional component. Like you know, there's a kind of almost like I would say like a, a brutality to the mindset. Once you have to do it, 
you become like this mental aggressor or there's there's anger you know uh, yeah there is for me um a couple things there now i've in some of the other guys have witnessed me in street fights you know martin has talked about it, i think brian um and i don't have to kill everybody i meet there are just certain you know you you just have that i know that that that's money in the bank okay i could take it there all right um so i can enter into a combat situation not, I mean, knowing that it's there, knowing that I have the ability to, to end this man's life with my bare hands, that gives me confidence. And it's actually a calming thing because I'm prepared to do that. Okay. Um, but I'm going to do it um, I'm, in a way on my terms. I mean, he, he'll escalate it. He'll do something, maybe produce a weapon or, or something that so, but now it's it's like okay i was waiting for this okay so let me watch this everybody and enjoy okay that's how i look at it um there's anger afterwards because you know the guy did this you know made me do this to him uh made me hurt him made me break his arm or something like you know we talked about when i got knifed at the uh atm and shit um but i think the meditation, um, some of it is my upbringing. You know, I, I had so many violent encounters and so much violence that th- this it's I'm I'm messed up from that. So I'm I'm coming from a rotten, everything is horrible uh, standpoint or viewpoint. Whereas others, they're more Pollyanna. Oh, how could this happen to me? You know. I, I can't believe the, 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 this happened. I'm the opposite. And I think in a way, all the horrible shit that I went through gives me an advantage over anybody or most people, unless they've been through the same uh, thing. Um, you know, even like military guys who, you know, they you know, special forces guys or, you know, SEALs or something, they have to learn those things and those deals at an older age, I, I already knew that. And I did it for real every day. All of us in that neighborhood lived through this every day, okay? I mean, there was no breaks, and there was no weapons, and there was no backup, you know, and no training, really, when you're younger or older like those people were. So that gives us, or gave me, that nastiness, that edge, that, like, look, um, I, I know how to end your life. Do you really want me to do that? You know, um, it's so I, 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 I may be I don't want to use unique in a whole wide world. There's seven, eight billion people, eight billion. But generally, I'm unique in the martial art world for that reason. I don't have a problem with this. OK. Um, so I don't know the meditation. I don't, I don't know. if I think the meditation, if anything, is what keeps me from. A guy saying, hey, asshole to me and me just tearing into into him and hospitalizing him. I think that's where the meditation comes into play. That helped me restrain myself from escalating it too far. Okay. I really had to learn how to control myself. Uh, The stuff that I was taught, man, is the, the, the pinnacle. So, you know, when you got that, you know, it's like, you know, having the, you know the, the 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 codes to the nuclear launch 
you know, nuclear launch codes are pushing the nuclear button. You know, you, you can't just get mad and, you know, push that button. You got to have some restraint because unlike the president who has people around him to, you know, talk sense into him, um, you're on your own in the street fight. So it's up to you to, to have that self-control. So that that's where the meditation probably enters into it, where it, it there's time like part of me that will say, Tony, you know what you can do to this guy? Is it is it warranted? And this all ties into some of the stuff that John Hernandez was teaching regarding the concealed carry. You got to make sure you're in the right. You got to make sure that, you know, um, there's all these other steps that you have to go through stages before you pull that gun in or pull that trigger. Um, so I also want to add in that REBT, Rational Emotive Behavioral Therapy, which I studied, um, Albert Ellis, and I've talked about this, that's helped tremendously, okay, totally tremendously. Um, there's nothing more that I could tell people to, to, to dive into than REBT. Learn that. Get a book. Get an Albert Ellis book or, or somebody else that was trained in that. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy, but really you want to focus on Albert Ellis because the principles in that thing um, really changed, really put everything like in, in perspective for me. I wish I would have learned about that stuff when I was a younger man. I didn't learn about that until I was in my 30s. Um, there's nothing more that I could say that, I mean, that, that stuff's the best. Um, change the way you think and you'll change the way you feel uh nobody owes you anything um control you're allowed to have mad glad scared you know and you know all the, all, all those emotions right um uh you just can't let them overwhelm you okay so your happiness can't become euphoria your 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 sadness can't become depression um your madness can't become anger, and your scadness, your your fear can't become overwhelming. Where you know debilitates you, but you're allowed to have those four emotions. You have to have those four emotions. So there was a time in my life where I thought I can't have those emotions. They're weak or they're wrong. Or they're inappropriate. No, they're not. Not having them is is something's wrong with you. So we need to, we can't get into it today, but we need to tie into the REBT with that as well. Knowing that you're allowed to have emotions, just don't let them run amok. Don't do it. And and I think that's what happens with people in a street fight or whatever, that kind of scenario. They may let their fear overwhelm them. Or in the case of that shooter in Texas, that diner shooter where he just kept plugging a guy after it was already done, he couldn't control his emotions there. Okay, his anxiety or whatever he was feeling overwhelmed. So the first, second shot wasn't enough. The third, fourth, fifth, sixth have to come, or how many whatever it was that he shot him. Okay, that that that's no good. You see, so um, you have to know that. Did I answer your question? That was a ramble, but I had to get it out. No, no, yeah, it's a lot of good stuff, and um, yeah, I agree with you with the. Uh, we get a lot of bad messaging as far as emotions and, you know, like, Oh, you're not supposed to be afraid. You're not supposed to feel fear or, uh, you know, sadness or, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, and 
young kids cry or they're sad or something, you know, they don't deal with grief, you know. Um, I was just watching a documentary on the thing with, uh, uh, it's a long story, but basically this kid wasn't allowed to, to grieve the death of his brother, you know, and um, they just kind of brushed it under the, instead of dealing with it. And so I, I think there's a lot of bad signals out there as far as people's emotional health. We get a lot of, um, and maybe it's, maybe it's kind of a, the way that people were trying to avoid the extremes, but in, they go too far and telling them that they, you know, they, that these, that you have certain feeling, you know, certain uh, emotions or things are um, negative or show weakness. The fact of the matter is you're still going to feel them. You're just going to deny it and repress it and just mess yourself up further. And I'm again, <laughs> I'm not a psychologist, but um, just in my, my little experience with things um, I've seen well, that works both ways too. Like, relationships when you break up depending on the length um these are not things that you should cling to okay um you you have to start the process of healing and getting over it and you need to get over it and if you haven't gotten over it and it doesn't take as long as you think um there is a problem okay with you uh and you and it's an internal problem i mean unless the person's you know, harassing you, but let's say it's a clean break and you're the one who got dumped. Um, yeah, I, I see that a lot. I, I can't mention who, but I talked to somebody about that who was clinging to someone. I said, you barely knew the, the guy, okay? You dated him very briefly in the scheme of things. We're talking like a couple months or something like that. Everything that you're creating is just that it's an imagination you're creating it it didn't exist okay um and your 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 ego is trashed and so on we we got into it so a lot of it is about yourself what are you harboring what are you holding on to um and that's not to say again that you shouldn't mourn or be sad but it has to be you know balanced okay if it takes you Five years to get over somebody you dated for two months. There's you have you have a lot of issues. Okay, you just do. Um, but yeah, I think that if if we realize my my whole thing is always I'm hyper, okay, and I go off. Um, I was raised around my grandfather who was like that. I was because of the neighborhood I was raised in, I was always on edge and hyper and I was surrounded about the violence. So that's what I've seen. I never seen this peace loving hippie stuff, you know, where here's a, here's a sunflower and, you know, all of that kind of jazz. And I never had that. So I'm, I'm fighting that. I always had to work on that. Um, and then I have people that like to push buttons. I seem to run into button pushers. So, uh, but you're right. There's people out there, Joe, who are afraid to show emotions or show fake emotions. For example, you're at a funeral, a close, you know, a loved one, and you don't. I mean, you, you're sad. You're this or that, but that's about where that's about where it ends. But then you look around, and everybody's crying, and then you kind of feel like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to be crying. And then maybe you, you try to start crying or you do start crying. It's not a legitimate emotion. Okay. You didn't, you're only crying because you see everybody else crying. Okay. 
you only laughed at the joke because everybody else laughed. You really didn't think it was funny. You're just kind of going along with the crowd. So you have that too. You have the people that do that. And and we're all guilty of doing that one point at one time or another. You know, we, we may go along with the crowd or don't want to make waves or whatever excuse we come up with. But it's insincere. So these are all things that, you know, you need to take inventory of and ask yourself later, well, do a self-assessment. Why did I do that? You know, why did I laugh when I shouldn't have? Why did I cry when I didn't need to? You know, um, it's it's a deep subject. It's it's actually interesting. Um, you know, if, if every one of us started to look in, inside and figure out all of the stuff that we've done through the years, man, it would be an interesting interesting little uh, scenario, right? It would be a, a, a good study for all of us to say, wow, I really did that, huh? Why did I do that? How should I have done it? How would I do it now? Think about it. Think about anything. You don't have to broadcast it here, but, you know, even something that you think you did correctly, you know, think about it now from a perspective now. I'll tell you this right now. Today, when I was at the doctor's office, it was the first time I was at this, this surgeon's office. And I didn't say anything, but the nurse that saw me before the doctor in the room, of course, we all have masks on. So I only saw her upper, you know, her eyes and part of the bridge of her nose. She just looked like my, my high school sweetheart. I mean, she just did. And I was this close to mentioning that to her, but, you know, with a tremendous age difference here, so I wasn't going to do it because that's creepy. But it got me thinking about my high school sweetheart. It really did. It got me thinking about what happened, What? where did she go wrong, what did I do wrong. You know, you start walking down memory lane. Um, and I did think on the car ride home, how would I have handled what she did to me at the end? Um, how would I have handled that today? And I would have handled it differently. My emotions, I, I had every right to be upset at what happened. I don't want to get into, well, basically my grandmother died and she didn't show up at the funeral. And she lived in Cleveland and I was living out here in Chicago. And we were to long distance together and she didn't show up at the funeral and i just couldn't accept that okay i'm like jesus we're talking about getting married here and you're not even at the funeral but i think today's tony would have probably driven over to her house afterwards right and figured it out had to talk or something at least that's what i decided today on my car ride home from the hospital oh, from the doctor's so it's an interesting thing. You don't have to come up with an answer. You know, I don't know how. We probably still wouldn't have been together 30 years later, or you know. But who knows? It's a mind game to play with yourself. Well, yeah, I think it's good. I think everybody should be examine their life and their their past and their thought and what they're currently thinking and going through. I mean, you, some people, I think, coast through life without analyzing why things went wrong or or, or things they could have done better or their issues that they're dealing with. Uh, one of the guys we had on the podcast, Hal, um, several months ago, uh, but he said something, I'm sure he got heard it somewhere else, but it, I heard it from him first. It was like, you know, um, uh, it's not your fault that you have certain issues. You know, a lot of these things we get 
you know, we either inherit them or have it from our environment, but it is your responsibility to get it fixed. You know, if you've got something you're dealing with, you yeah. know, so I, I like that kind of approach that we, you know, and as you realize things, it's like, okay, I'm going to go and yeah, it's not my fault that I, whatever, I have this weird hang up or this thing, or I have a, you know, depression or the temper, whatever it is, but you know, I'm aware of it and I, I need to start working on it. We've all got work to do. Uh, we all get warped, you know, because of life. I mean, you had a lot of trauma, so you had a lot of more extreme things to deal with. But even people who have had, you know, it could be subtle stuff going on when they were growing up that could have affected them and it's surfacing. So, well, like, it's just... I, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I like how we, you know, we, our, our podcast is self-defense theme. And here we are like kind of like a self-help. Well, yes, but getting into the self-defense or martial aspect of it. So take like your BJJ, like somebody's doing BJJ, you're going up against another guy who's just, just better than you at BJJ, always going to be better than you and da, da, da. This is where you have to analyze and you have to say, okay, I, I'm not going to beat him with BJJ. I got to go outside of BJJ to something different, something that I can master and be able to defeat him. But let's say catch wrestling or whatever. And it's just like boxing. If you're a boxer and you're going up against a prime, let's say, Muhammad Ali, right? You're not going to – you could train a lifetime. You're never going to outbox him. To be able to beat him in a fight, a real fight, you're going to have to go outside of boxing, okay? So what you need to do is briefly analyze your boxing and say, yeah, I know enough that I'm never going to be at his level, and then go outside of it, okay? This is the problem with like a lot of grapplers that they just, or any martial artist, they cling to their style when you, you, you got to obey your style. There's nothing wrong with your style in, in, in essence, but you've got to go outside of your style to be able to defeat this person or that person or that person. Okay. Because their that style that they do is also limited. And you're doing the same thing basically with the same limitations but he's better at the non-limitations than you are. So go to another style that doesn't have those limitations, those specific limitations. Okay. Um, and I see that so many, with so many people that train that they're just, they're, they're more stuck on, I want to be, you know, the Hapkido guy or the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy, da da da, or they'll take from other styles and still call it BJJ or Hapkido or whatever the case may be when it's not. So now there's an element of dishonesty. And that will work, that'll wear on you eventually. Um, so, yeah, it it pertains. You you have to do that self-analyzation, man. Like, my boxing, I mean, I was never going to be the, the, you know, the heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, I knew that, right? So I ended up, and plus the catch wrestling was just so unbelievable to me um, that, you know, I just took that. I, I gravitated towards that because that was just so effective and then you can't so the the limitations that i have with the boxing just the boxing in general the limitations of boxing as an as an art form um coupled with my personal limitations uh the the catch and the other stuff just the catch especially just filled all the gaps um but if i would have just been hesitant because i want to prove the, the manliness of boxing um, I'd be probably dead by now. Catch wrestling for sure saved my life. Um, what I learned saved my life. Um, so I strongly urge other people to 
go outside of where they're limited. Um, and, and that may even pertain to relationships, okay? Because you personally may need something in a relationship, be it a friend with a guy or romantically with a woman. And those people cannot give you what you need. Now, you may be okay. You may say, well, I can go along with it. I'll just do without. And that's like the grappler who, you know, just hope I never run into a leg lock guy or hope I never run into a boxer because I can't handle that. As long as I stay away from that, I'll be all right, I guess. No, that's not the way to live life. Um, if you're with somebody and that person general, genuinely cannot give you what you need, you, you just have to confront it and say, look, I, I have to go outside of this relationship. I, I have to end it. And I'll take all the goodness, but man, what I'm missing, I need desperately, like the air that I breathe, I need this, okay? And you got to do it. Otherwise, you know, you may end up miserable and eventually, no matter how much that person cares about you, because you become more miserable as time goes on, that person's going to get miserable with you and say, I'm done with you. I'm through with you, okay? So it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a strange dynamic, you know, um, but that's just how it works. And that's how it can work with your instructor. You know, if you're constantly trying to still stay with your instructor and learn, 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 I just got to get better at what he's teaching. Well, there's some truth to that, but maybe you have already done that. Maybe you've peaked. Maybe this is as good as it's going to get. And your teacher's just lacking. It's, he just, he or she just doesn't have the knowledge, the ability, or the, 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 the art form doesn't have what it is that you need, okay? You know, if you're worried about somebody pulling a gun or this or that, whatever, you know, you, you need to go to an art that that's what they practice. And it's, and it's viable. It's not, you know, bullshit um, or whatever the case is, okay? You know, if you're really convinced that you need to kick somebody, you want to start kicking, you, you got to go to a kick-oriented school. Start learning that stuff that that's what you feel you need to do. So I can tell you, because I'm older than most people that are listening to this, um, I've changed through the years in certain elements of my life. Um, and I'm good, I'm constantly changing. And I probably will constantly change. And there's nothing wrong with that. I stick to the, I have my core that I'll love, you know, and that, but I branch off into other things as well um you know maybe different kind of music or something or, or just just a different hobby but see that's why i've had so many hobbies you know the pac-man the shooting pool the you know the jazz the accordion the drums the fighting i i i try to just you know if i have a an itch i want to scratch it you know so i go to these other things you know that's all i have to say about that well, you know, one thing I kind of wanted to do at the beginning of this podcast, and I'm kind of regretting just, but I think before we wrap things up, I think, you know, I think we should be topical. There's a lot of concerns about, you know, people who listen to this or, you know, things will come up and they probably want us to answer. And I, I think this is on everybody's mind. So I think I'm just going to put it out there and get your response to this. But um, so how do you defend yourself against Chinese spy balloons, Tony? Well. 
it should be easy for me because, you know, um, I'm full of a lot of hot air anyway. Okay. So we're kind of like on equal footing with the uh, Chinese hot air balloons. Um, you know, it, it just, I've had to take a break from all of that bullshit. I mean, you know, I, I don't miss running into people that everything, the only thing they want to talk about is, is politics or something. It's, it's just like, you know, I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about religion. I care about this, my circle. And, and of course myself, naturally you have to care about yourself. And I'll say this again. I've said this before. Who the president of the United States is, who the mayor of, of the city is, who, who the pope is, has never helped me perform a better inside toehold, has never helped me get laid with, with that hot chick down the street, okay? That's all me, right? So I, I, don't, I don't worry about that stuff. I'm sorry. I just, I can't. I can't. I, I see some of these people that that stuff becomes their life. Their identity becomes their political stance or their sports team that they root for. It's it's all about that. Um, man, I, I can acknowledge what's going on in the world, but I don't have to become overwhelmed by it, Joe, because the universe is so vast and our own personal universe is just as vast as the universe out there. It truly is. This It's infinite what we as human beings can desire, can think, our thought processes, um, can achieve if we want to, to varying degrees. We have so much infinity that we can draw from in our own mind, right? I don't need to be laid, laden down with bullcrap, okay? I want to come home and think about good things creative things, things that are going to make me better and and the people in my circle better. Um, that's just how I think about that kind of shit. I, I'm sorry, but I do. I, I can't get worked up about it, Joe. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's probably a, a thing a lot of people need to do is take a step back. Um, and this is, like I said, we could head off on a whole other tangent about that, but I agree with you. It's it's probably healthier for everybody just to de-escalate. Well, don't you notice we don't talk political really on this show? And even when I had my Facebook po- uh, things, I never did because I want the podcast to be an escape from all of that, okay? Uh, and and I want us to be the dose of reality. You know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, although I know that there are. There have been conspiracies in the history of the world, but not like with, you know, some of this stuff. Um, the point is that I want to focus on things that are actually concrete proof, okay? Things that I've been through myself that I can say this happened, right? Or things that you had or the things that our guests have had. And then we can delve into what ifs. That's fine, hypotheticals. But let's not start saying, like, the hypotheticals are real. They're going to happen. You know, you can't. You can't say that until it happens, right? But I enjoy... The podcast, we got to get back now to getting some special guests. Um, I mentioned to you, uh, I want to get Bernie Langdon on. I'll mention it right now. I should have asked um, Terry Dow because I'll have to get a hold of Terry and get Bernie's 
contact info and email it over to you because Bernie spent time at my house. We've done seminars together. Uh, and I, when I used to live in Chicago, and we did seminars out on the East Coast. Uh, he's great. He's a great martial artist. He's got a lot to offer. Uh, he would be a wonderful podcast guest. Um, and yeah, let's 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 get back to that too. You know. Yeah, I'm all about the guests and our uh, good friend Artie, who's been helping us on the social media. Thank he's you, got, Artie. Yeah, he's got a slew of guests that he's trying to line up for us, so we're looking forward to that. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. That's good. Yeah, he's been. Yeah, he's got a bunch of names. So once if the scheduling works out, we'll get them on here. So okay, yeah, looking- it's better that you keep me out of the loop because I'm focusing on that again. My stuff here. We're going to the doctor left and right and blah 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 and all of that and fixing cars and da da da. But um, no, I want to really thank everybody for um, listening in or watching. You know, it 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 means a lot, and um, you know. Uh, we're just trying to grow and, and hopefully Artie can help with the uh, social media stuff. Eventually it'll click and we'll get customers and we'll get more, you know, guests and views and, and you never know, man, something can go viral and, you know, it could change all of our lives, which, which would, which would be a great thing. But I want to thank you again, Joe, for um, doing the podcast with me. And you asked a bunch of nice questions today. It's a fascinating topic, and you know, just uh, you know, anytime we can get access to that national treasure that is your mind and get it out <laughs> for the rest yeah. of the people and get it recorded for posterity, I'm happy to try and oblige. So, um, yeah, uh, good talk, and we'll see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. <laughs> Thank you.